The game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on a journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Game is the Game. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and thanks again for joining me on another one of these episodes where we, where, where I guess we meet with people from different professions, we chop it up, we talk about their successes, we talk about their failures, but most importantly of all, we kind of got, we deep dive into their journey to try and understand where they got to, where they got to. And before I introduce today's guest, on this particular episode. Let's just go through the admin as usual. You can find The Game is the Game on Twitter and on Instagram. Go follow those particular handles at the end of the show. If you listen to the outro, you'll hear me tell you where you can find all of those things. Thanks to anybody who's liked, shared, subscribed, all of that jazz. Continue to do so. It's your support that helps this podcast grow. But most importantly of all, I just hope that these different episodes with all these different people from various different professions, if they're if it's only given you one nugget of information, that's what this was all intended for. Hopefully you're you're able to take something away, share it with somebody who might need it if it's not even you. And, you know, we make the world a better place episode by episode. But I'm super excited for this episode, super excited for this one, aren't I? Aren't I for all of them? But this one I am because this guest, I've been trying to get him on. <laughs> when I first mentioned interviewing him, it must have been about seven, eight months ago. And um, it's, I'm excited on both a personal level, but I'm also excited because I think this is a bit of a unique episode as well. We're calling this one the one with the football manager. Um, I'll be really intrigued to see who are the people that listen to this particular one. But the reason why it's also a personal one is because the guest is is Neil Smith, former former Bromley Football Club manager. And for those of you, for those of you listening to this, you'll of course know. But isn't that the club you support, Mash? Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, so on a personal level, um, I'm excited to to kind of just you know sit down and chop it up with with Neil. Um, Neil and I have spoken on many, many different occasions, both on and off the record. But this one's going to be a special one, kind of looking at his career and his profession. So, without any further ado, let me invite the man on himself. Neil, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm, and, and as you say, it's about time, Mesh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, Neil? What the, the, the first thing I actually wrote down, because um, I was like, I should prep, even though I know you well enough to not have to prep this, I was like, I should at least prep something. And actually, the first question I'm going to ask you straight off the bat, um, which might actually be the most difficult question of all, who is Neil Smith in your own words? If you were meeting someone who didn't know of you, what? how would you describe yourself in terms of, career-wise and yeah I'm just intrigued who is Neil Smith in your own words oh my wow how long are we doing this for because I've got a long time <laughs> <laughs> we can go the short route or the long route no um I'm a hard worker I'm loyal I'm honest um I try to be as truthful and honest with people as I can and and what you see is what you get um you you know that mash you've seen me out and you know whether I'm being the manager or I'm in the bar after a game um, I'm approachable. Um, I try to help people out as well as much as I can. And I, I, I just find that if, if you give good to the world, sometimes 
the world gives you some good back. So, you know, I'm very, very easy and, and an open guy. So, as I say, what you see is what you get. You see, and I, I of course, I agree with all that. As I know you, that I think that's all that's all true to true to word and true to form in terms of how I've known you as a person. But the, one of the reasons why I wrote that question down is because I think about two three weeks ago. I saw that you were at Gillingham. I think they were doing like a special day to former players and so on and so forth. And of all the times that we've spoken, I don't think I've ever really spoken to you about your actual playing career because I've only ever known you in the guise as a football manager and hence why this episode is called The One with the Football Manager. But when you reflect back on your career, do you look back on the playing days as something that was like eons ago that you don't really think about anymore? Or is it something you still reflect on fondly? And like in the blurb for this episode, I've kind of written that you played in the football league with distinctions, three with three different promotions with Jills, Fulham, Reading. But I've always wondered how an ex-player looks back once their career is done. Like, have you just wiped that off now? Like, are you a manager f first and foremost in your head? Again, anybody who knows me knows I haven't wiped it from my memory. I talk about it, you know, after a couple of beers, I'll gladly sit down and talk for a, as long as you want, Mash, um, about my foot. No, I loved every minute of my career. Um, I was lucky enough to start at Tottenham as a 13-year-old, uh, signed professional forms. The, the, the year they won the FA Cup, I was a first-year pro. Managed to, you know, train alongside the Gary Linekers and the Gazers of the world, Paul Stewart's, Naeem, go for them all, Pat. Pat Van and Howe and had a brilliant time but I was also in that mode where I just didn't want to be a player at Tottenham and looking at the people and the players that were ahead of me I just thought I could be here forever and be a Tottenham player but never mm. really be a Tottenham player if you know what I mean or I go and go and, go and become a, a, a real professional and I went to Gillingham I went to Gillingham uh, I loved every minute of it uh, had some really good memories there some tough some tough times you know, mm. I know they got relegated last season and I know they're feeling it a bit tough uh, at the moment. And I think Neil Harris is turning it around with the new chairman. But, um, you know, we went down there last week and the reality is people realise how um, how much you gave to that club in, in very dark times. No, you know, the ownership wasn't great. Paul Scully had just come over. We, we stayed up in the last game of the season. Um, and people remember that. They remember it as well as the, the promotion year under mm. Tony Pulis, you know, playing alongside some great players that I did at the, at the time um, and I think that's what that you know the one thing that I've come out of being being at Gillingham the other other week was they, they respect that loyalty um, mm. I know I ended up going to Fulham but it was a little bit you know it wasn't just all myself um, there were things that were going on and I went to Fulham I played under the likes of you know Ray Wilkins and Kevin Keegan Mr Al Fired our chairman you know again some fantastic players Philip Albert Peter Beardsley Paul Bracewell, you know, you're looking at legends in the Premier League, let alone coming into League One. Um, Paul Pescalido, Barry Howes, and again, um, Kevin Kevin was brilliant. He, he turned around, he said, I can get you double your money. I can find you another club if you if, if that's what you want. And I, and, and I was in that mode. Why do I want to leave here? Mm. You know, this is the club everyone wants to come to. I'm already here because I, yeah. I was bought under Mickey Adams. And I had two of the best, best years ever. Um, I managed to win the championship. We got 101 points and, you know, we played at Old Trafford, played at Anfield, played at Villa Park and, um, you know, fantastic times. And then I went to Red Reading and I probably, I, I took a decision that I probably 
didn't want to go, if I've got to be brutally honest. I wanted to stay at Fulham and I took the decision. I went under Tommy Burns, who mm. again, legend in the in the game of Celtic, you know, Celtic and Scottish football, Packy Bonner um, was also there. And um, it was a difficult time because I didn't realise that he was in the, under so much pressure. Um, obviously got the sack um, and I probably didn't commit to the, the club because I, I, it wasn't a club I wanted to go to at the time. But mm. again, uh, grafted my socks off. I worked every, you know, for everything I got and again, another promotion. Um, and then it just coincided with the ITV digital yeah. um, collapse. And I was going to go back to Gillingham and, it, and the whole structure sort of collapsed around me. And that was, that's when, so going into management, that's when I thought, right, at 31, 32, I would have been, I've got to start looking for what's going to happen after I stop playing. So I went to Stevenage, then Woking, and I had six or seven years at Woking, loved every minute of it, loved the non-league side. They went you know, a bit of full time. And that was when I really got into my coaching, doing my badges. So by the time I was 36, 37, I you know, got my B licence, got my A licence. And then it was just a, a progression of when I move over to the next stage of my career um, after the football side. But no, I don't talk about it a lot, you know, because I could go on forever like I've just done. But uh, <laughs> I loved everything. I love everything about football. Do, do you know what you've hit? You've you've hit the nail on two things already that I wanted to focus about. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go earlier first, um, because I was gonna say when did you know? When did you get the I want to stay in the game culture management uh, bug? But I'll get to that in a minute. The first thing I actually want to touch on is when you go back to your career now, and you look at your what's well, so since 2016. So now what nine years is what I'd say out and out first team manager, at whichever clubs you've been at, right? When you yeah. look back at your journey as a pro, what's the biggest difference? Cause it's not that long ago, Neil, it's we're talking like what late nineties, early two thousands, mm. etc. What do you look at as the biggest difference between when you were trying to come through the game and the modern era now? And yes, I know some people listen to this and go, yeah, but Neil, you're working at the non-league level, but let's have this right with Bromley. Bromley, we're a full-time club in the National League. The National League is a is essentially League Three in, in all but name, right? 100%. So what what have you what have you noticed as a difference between the game now and the game then? Um, I think you had to grow up a lot quicker back then. You know, you wasn't in an under-23s league. You went straight from you know, being a 16, 17-year-old kid, if you were good in the youth team, playing in the reserves. So I remember playing in a reserve team with Chrissy Hewton playing at the fullback. I was playing alongside Terry Fennick. Um, you had Paul Moran, you had Paul Stewart playing because they were coming back from injuries. You know, you had David Howes playing and we were playing against an Ars Arsenal side that had Steve Rowcastle playing, um, you know, Kevin Campbell up front. And it, So you grew up early. I mm. think at the moment, there's a little bit of well, you're 16, go and play for the under-18s, then you go for the under-21s, then you're in the under-23s, but you're just playing against the same people mm. that you were playing against. There's no learning. So that, you know, for me, it was like, right, go, you know, I've been elbowed in the face at 17 and, you know, cut faces and, and you just get on with it. Whereas I think it's a little bit more, I don't know, it's very technically better because the players are learning technical stuff and it's great, but they're not learning the reality of what football really is. And, at the, at the, you know, at the end of the day, when you play first team football, you're, you're putting yourself on the line to go and win three points. You know, someone's after your bonuses, someone's after your wages. And, and I don't think they get that. 
until they come out that little under 23s or under 21 bubble. Interesting. So, again, pivoting then to you as a manager now. Um, and anyone listening say, Mash, you're jumping all over the place. Listen, this is what we do on this. This is what we do on this podcast. <laughs> pivoting to you as a manager now, then, how do you determine as a gaffer which under 23 player is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to express it this way, worth taking the gamble or risk on, right? So, again, I, I'll use Bromley as an example. So, over the years, you've had a, you had a Luke Wolferden come in, who is now established pro at, uh, at Ipswich via Swindon, I believe. Uh, you had Brandon Hanlon come in, who's now established at, I believe, is it Wickham Wanderers now he's at? Yeah. Like Wickham Wanderers, okay. I'm just taking two straight. Um, the boy from uh, Reese, not Reese. Uh, we have Rico Hackett Fairchild. Rico Hackett Fairchild, but I'm also thinking the Huddersfield boy, uh, whose name's now come out, gone out, gone, gone out of my head. Um, the right back, uh, Romani, Romani. Romani, um, yeah. <laughs> so... How do you, as a gaffer, because even now with Cray, I see you've taken some youngsters from, took some youngsters from Orient earlier in the season, I think from Luton and, and so on and so forth. How do you know as a gaffer? Is it about character? What are you looking for? Is yeah. it talent or character? So yeah. most of the players that I brought in, I've spoken to beforehand. Because, mm. you know, they've got to know the reality of it is, that, you know, and, and you speak to the managers and the managers know me, the the academy managers know me, so they know the sort of player that I'm looking for and I'm looking at. You know, I watched Rico Hackett Fairchild before I brought him in for probably two months. And he was centre forward for mm. the 23s and I never once thought he was ready if he'd come mm. to Bromley to be a centre forward because of yeah. the physicality side. And, you know, I didn't see that in the 23s, but I also thought if you put him out wide without the, the, the physical side, he could always come in and do his bit. Romani, again, his agent and... Um, the people at Huddersfield I'd, I'd spoken to beforehand, you know, they, they said he was he was ready for it. Again, I spoke to him before he come on board. And you can, some people go, oh, Bromley or oh, Cray, or some go, yeah, can't wait. I've got a couple at the moment from Gillingham and their yeah. attitude's absolutely first class. First class, Freddie Carter and um, Bailey Akehurst. And I knew straight away, you're, you're, you're fitting. You're mm. fitting. You're, I know you're going to be good enough, technically, it's now whether you can take the, you know, the knocks and the bumps with it. Did it with, you know, Kellen Fisher. Done it with, you know, Ben Crowhouse. But I knew them. Yeah. I knew they were 15. So they were training with the first team. They were training with me as 15-year-old kids. I'm now doing it with Cray under mm. 16 players. Come in because they're learning the physical side. They, mm. You know, when they train with the first team, the first team don't take any, any prisoners. And I don't mm. expect them to. Likewise, I tell the players, go in and look after yourselves. But this is what the reality of where you want to get to, you know, once you leave your 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, that's where you want to get into. So I take I, I take pride in knowing the player before I've got them, but I also make sure I have a chat with them and explain, you know, what I'm looking for. And, and you know, you get a gauge on somebody, um, whether they're ready for it or not. Briefly, let's talk about looking at it the other way. Um, when you have a young player, and let's prime, in fact, it doesn't have to be young, young, but youngish player. How have you learned as a manager? When do you know, as a manager, I've got a serious talent on my hands, right? So, again, I'll give you this example. The season Bromley um, were top of the league, I think, up until Christmas. 
or in the top top two or three up until Christmas, until um, Mark Cousins goes injury at Yeovil. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Alfie Doughty on loan from Charlton. Within a year, he had gone to... So when he left us, when Charlton recalled him, he went straight into the Charlton first team. And within a year, I think he'd got a five million move to Stoke, mm-hmm. uh, to Stoke City. I think he's now at Luton Town doing bits there as well. As a manager, when you've got a young player who you believe has serious, like you're going to say yes, obviously, but did you know you had a serious talent on your hand, hands at the time? And did you believe he could make the jump that quickly? Um, how how do you, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at then is how do you nurture an emerging talent to not get ahead of themselves so quickly and see it as all part of the process? Um, again, you know, you, you can see things in training and, 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 and what you do with a young kid, what you've got to do, you've got to, you've got to play to their, their best, their potential, rather than them coming in and trying to fit around a team because that might not be their strengths. You've got to play to that young kid's strengths. Alfie mm. Doughty, undoubtedly, very, very quick. So mm. there's no point him coming back and trying to get the ball deep. We wanted him to exploit the pace that he had onto the defenders and, and, and even that Yeovil game where, you know, Mark Cousins gets injured, Alfie Doughty was unbelievable. Mm. And even with 10 men and then, you know, Bushy out of going goal and stuff like that, you could see the potential of where we could get to, but he also had a great attitude. All we wanted to do was ask you questions about mm. what he needed to do to get to them. So they trust you then. So even the young, you know, a young Alfie Doughty, if we're going to talk about him, come from Cheltenham, but he was asking my opinion on what he needed to do to then go to the next stage. Mm. And, and, and and the best advice is play to your strengths. Yeah. Your weaknesses will shine through and we need to make them better. But when you initially go into a club or into a first, play to your strengths. Don't try and do stuff you're not very good at. You will get better at it, but do the stuff you are good at because then mm. they grow in confidence. They will grow in confidence. They start believing in you. They start trusting you. And then they're playing without, they're playing with a freedom. They're not playing with, chains around them that they can they can go and express themselves as long as you get back and you get tight if you if you lose the ball you're going to make mistakes at a young age and i haven't got a problem with that in the mm. right areas at the right time so with someone like alfie and and I, and I won't say the club but i spoke to a premier league a scottish premier league club mm. again i knew i knew the the, the scouts and, I, and it was just through covid and i went give him a chance this and they went oh yeah but it might be a big big step up from, and I went, give him a chance. He's definitely ready for it. Mm. Definitely ready. So again, people trust you because for me to take a young player from a, a, another, you know, a, a league club, they've got to trust you. Likewise, I've got to run the players trust in such a short space of time. And I think if you get that right, those players that end up becoming your players, even though you know they're going to go back at some stage like he did. But um, with, with players, you know, Jordan Higgs, a totally different matter. You know, I had him in my academy from 15 to 17 and he was, you knew he was going to take the next stage. So instead of throwing him straight in, he went out at Cole Shorten to mm. earn his little bit of, you know, knowledge. And I think he played, I think he's played about 100 games before he come and had his debut with, um, with, with myself at Bromley. So there's a, there is a way that you have to try and nurture players, but ultimately you've got to gain the players trust and mm. they've got to trust you and then you've got to you know if they do make mistakes you put your arm around them and you know and, and what we do we'll correct them you mm. will still keep making mistakes but we will learn from them so the mistakes become less but at the same time i just want you to go and enjoy it i want you to go and you know 
express yourself at such a young age, you know, playing any sort of football, playing any men's football is brilliant and it is a big learning curve. But I think when you when you sit them down in front of you and when you see them train and when you you see little things that you go, yeah, he can do it. And and I think you can tell that within three or four seconds. It's really, right. really quick with some of them. You know, some of them will grow a little bit later and develop a little bit later. You know, Oli Tan, a prime example, mm. you know, he had to he had to wait his time. He was very eager, but you 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 want to throw him in at the right time as well, not too early. And I think Ollie, I think me personally, I think he could have stayed another year at Bromley. He said, it, but he went to Lewis. He played loads of games at men's football. They did brilliant with him, and now you know signed off at uh, Cardiff, and then you know going out on loan again. But you you can just see when people have got something, and that's when you've got to try and bring the best out of them. But that's playing to their strengths. Fantastic. So let's go back to the comment you made about starting to do your badges, like 32 onwards, thinking about it. What, like you hear that you kind of hear people say, oh, I, I want to stay in the game. So what was the moment for you when you realized I'm definitely staying in the game, no matter what I'm, I'm going to, whether it's coaching, whether it, whatever you end up doing, ultimately it's turned into first team management. But what, what was the moment for you? And then the inevitable questions, which I'm sure you've been asked before, but how do you then find your own identity? Because everyone will say, oh, Neil played under Keegan. He played under Pulis. He's played under this person. He's played under that person. Three promotions. And you always hear these kind of questions at the top of the game. Oh, what have you taken from this great gaffer that, that you played under? But how do you find your own voice? once you're doing those badges because everyone's doing the same course so mm. how, how do you how do you nurture your own voice and style of play and tactics etc well the, the thing with me as i say it was that the itv digital I'd, I'd agreed a deal with a couple of clubs um one i turned down and i thought i'd go to the other one that all went a little bit pear-shaped and, and you sit you, you're driving home i'm literally a week before the start of the season and i'm driving home and i thought wow I, I haven't got a club. It's pre-season mm. next week. And that was the reality of it. This will stop at some stage. I could have I could have gone until I was 35. You know, I could have gone in the league and I thought, right, no, I'm going to do it. So I was doing my coaching. I was doing as many courses as I could. Mm. The day they said, you know, the ITV digital, digital and I haven't got a contract, I put, I put down for five different courses. And I thought, right, I'm going to do it. And that's when I went to Stevenage. They were part-time. I thought, brilliant. I can do all my college work you know, a bit of coaching, um, all my work during the day and then go and train in the evening. They then went full time. <laughs> and, and, and the manager didn't tell me that's what they were doing. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not going to give up my courses now. And he went, well, I want you to go and come full time. And I went, no, I've, I've, I've put my mind to it. I'm going to do the courses. Um, I'll, I'll leave, not a problem. And that's when I went to Woking. Right, so I managed okay. in that whole year, that year, I did all my coach. I did my coaching badges, did all your, your your hours and stuff like that. Still playing, and then they went full time the year year after. But I'd already done my started my courses, so again, I finished them, did it all. Could go back to full time and give me a couple of days off. Glenn Cockrell was amazing for me there, and I was just chipping away. And every now and again, he go, "Do you want to take a session? Do you oh, want to okay. do this? Mm. Do you want to do that?" And 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 I've done it with the likes of uh, Ben Chorley. You know, when I was at Bromley, I did it with Dunny, did it with mm. Roger Johnson. And you just give them, because you can see where they're going to go, because you've already been there. So mm. you give them little opportunities. Um, 
and so and so he he'd done that and then all of a sudden you know three years down the line he he got the set i had six games to keep woking up going as player manager i knew all the players i was the captain down there as well I was probably 35 36 kept him up and and you have your own plan and you own, you have your own ideas mm. but as a coach that's you can have ideas but it's the manager that ultimately has the say of how he wants to play this is what i want so i was very much a hands-on person so you know did a bit of bit of coaching then come out of it and and so when you say who are you now and i'm a manager that likes to entertain or as much as i can i like i like i like wingers i like mm. louis dennis's i like you know i like ollie tanners i like these sort of players that people are going to come and pay and watch of course, you need a, a strong back four. You need a midfield that's going to be, you know, I still had the Frankie Sutherlands, the Frankie Raymonds, people that could open up and, you know, find a pass. But ultimately, I love, I, I love wingers. Mm. Ash. And I know, because I, I was never one. I, I was, I, I, and I, and I, you know, I, I know how to defend and I know how to do this. I couldn't coach what Louis could. And that's what I loved about watching Louis Dennis. Mm. You know, if, we, if we're going to just name names. Rico Hackett Fairchild. I love people like this that can open. I think Ben Crowhouse at the moment. I think he's got something that can, you know, that can, I can't coach him. Mm. I can coach a defender. I know when to go tight. I know when to drop off. I know as a back four, a midfield, and I played there. I was never a winger, so I, I, I just love people to express themselves. The Alfred is If you've got that, I, I played at centre forward, so I know a bit, a bit, a bit the hold up play and. And I like I like people like that. So I love to be strong defensively, but ultimately people want to come and see goals. It's, you know, I think when I was at Bromley, I was in the top whatever five or six of goal scorers, and we're in the top three at Cray. Mm. And I haven't got an old out and out goal scorer, but I love I love I love creating goals as much as I can. Do you know what that's interesting, Neil? Because I think some people listening to this will be. <laughs> I think they'll say your teams are far more pragmatic. Than, than, than that given the situation now again using the Bromley example you could argue well given Bromley's status within the National League you kind of have to be pragmatic given given the sizes of some of the clubs you're coming up against but just those names you've mentioned is quite interesting Alfie Doughty went on to play Championship Rico Hackett Fairchild went on to play uh, League One currently League One with uh, Pompey uh, Louis got his move to Pompey you haven't even mentioned Blair Turgot, who then got his move into yeah. the into the into the football playing European well, football, <laughs> and has just won the the the, the top exactly. division in Sweden. So that you do have you do have a resume to say that you love a winger in fairness. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I do. I, 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 you know, even Joe Kizzy. I remember Joe Kizzy coming into Billericay, from Billericay, Um and he come in. He said, "I just want to play in the league." So, do you think you can get me there? And after two months, I went, without a doubt, he had everything as a modern day fullback needed. He could get mm. forward, but he had the other thing, he could score goals. They, yeah. they called him the magnet from, from set plays yeah. because he had the desire to go and get on it. So, and, 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 the, and the best thing out of all that, so Blair Turgut, he's playing, I think he's in the Champions League next season. Yeah, I think, he is, I yeah. think they've qualified. He's put in the paper how he thanked me for bringing him in. Rico Hackett Fairchild, I still speak to his his uh, uncle and you know his mum and, and and Rico himself. They all say thanks because again you you give people a chance 
not everybody's going to make it, but you see little things where you go, I think I can do it with you. I think I can get you where you want to get to. I think I know what league managers are looking for. And, mm. and I think what they're looking for now is in possession. I know they're outstanding, but so when you say, oh, you know, your team might be a bit pragmatic, they still got to know what they've got to do when they haven't got the ball. Yeah. So, so yeah, you've got to have a base. Otherwise, it'll just be a free-for-all and it'll be four free goals and, and, and things like that. So you do have to have that back four. And I think that's why I like the Roger Johnsons, the Ben Chorleys, you know, even bought in Byron Webster. You know, we've got a good goalkeeper behind them as well. And, you know, having Mark Cousins. So you give them a base to be able to ex- exploit the, the, you know, the, the pace and the wingers that you've got. But, you, yeah, you, I wouldn't say I was, I was very defensive, but I think... I like those. I like to be strong at the back to then let them go. Wingers win your games. I've always said it. Wingers win or forwards win your games. Defenders win you the league. So, you're a manager, obviously, right now with Cray Wanderers in the Ryman Premier League. And um, and you can answer this and take this in whatever direction you want to take it. Earlier on, I alluded to the fact that some people turn their noses up at non-league football and particularly so with Bromley, you managed there for five five years. Um, Bromley at the time that you were manager were a full-time, they've actually transitioned into being a full-time yeah. club, then became a out-and-out full-time professional club and obviously still are in what is effectively a full-time National League bar, maybe two or three clubs, right? Mm-hmm. So hence why all of us who have anything to do with the National League all say it's League 3, right? But obviously some people turn their nose up at that because it has the moniker non-league. But so I think within setting that context for those who don't, who might listen, who don't necessarily understand that, to me that means you've got experience of managing what I call traditional non-league, which is the part-time, the part-time pro, the person who's got to do their job of work, coming for maybe two evening sessions a week. It might be one if there's a Tuesday night game, so on and so forth. And you've also, on the other hand, managed Bromley where it's your job. This is your job, right? For those who don't know and don't understand, what are the difficulties between the two roles? I've always assumed, and you can correct me if I've got it wrong, that managing part-time football is harder than than doing the job full-time because of all the outside factors. I actually think a manager's got to do more as a part-time gaffer um, in terms of finances, balancing the books. Um, I just think there's a whole lot more expected part-time, but I've never done it. I don't know. I want you to tell me. It, it, It is. You know, when I was when I was first at Bromley, I went in there, obviously under Mark uh, Goldberg. It was part time with Murray Jones, in you know, and then we got promotion to Conference South, and then it went three mornings a week, and the Monday was the optional. So if there was a little bit more structure to it, mm. um, but you, it was never guaranteed on on the Monday. But but what it what it was basically about it was about you know trying to give yourself that extra day or that extra thing that you might be able to work on that gives you the, you know, 5% more chance of winning on the, on the Saturday or the Tuesday. So it was, you know, loved it, loved it. And we, and we had nothing at the time, mm. um, obviously between Mark and, and Jerry, you know, and everything that was going on off the pitch, I didn't really know about. So I was coming in doing all the coaching. Mark would come in, we'd discuss how we were going to play, who we're playing against, We'd have, you know, I was, we were doing all the video analysis of it and, and stuff like that ourselves. 
And then, obviously, Mark then left, and it was like, right, I'm, I'm going to take them. We're going to try and get them full-time. Mm. Again, we had no real money, but, but what, what happens with full-time? You know what you're getting every Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Saturday, whenever. You knew what you were getting. And, and, it, and it really stabilised myself. It gives you a structure. You know, I was going to academy games in the evening. I could go to, you know, the opposition games in the evening. So you're never indoors. You're always mm. watching someone, as in watching Rico Hackett Fairchild, for instance. Go and watch him on a, on a Wednesday when he was playing with the under-21s. Because I, I, I didn't like to sign a player blind. I, mm. I like to know who I'm signing rather than just on someone say so. But now you, I've gone back to Cray and it's Tuesday and Thursday nights. Yeah. We've got a game we got a game tomorrow, Wednesday. We we we're not training Tuesday because some of the boys can't get the, the night off. So we're gonna train uh, play Wednesday and thir- and train Thursday, game Saturday. But I don't know who I've got until literally so if we've got to be in the in the club at half one, I won't know my team until half one. I know in my head what I want. Yeah. But yeah, I've yeah. also got that one. If I write it down, I know something will happen. There'll be a traffic jam, there'll be, you know, a kid like one of the, the children are ill or something like that because these aren't just workers and footballers they 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 might be looking after the the children because mm. the wife's working mm. so then i've got i've got that side of things are we playing a sunday oh i, I can't come in on a sunday because my wife does this and i'm i'm the childminder mm. so you've got loads of external stuff and 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 one night and then some of them are bricklayers some of them are this some of them are that they come in on a Thursday. They've done a full day's work, and I'm asking them to give me everything. Yeah. In training, I'm, I'm, and, 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 and to be fair, Touchwood, the boys have been amazing at the moment. But yeah, those are the difficulties that you wouldn't have had in full time. They come in, have a breakfast, train hard. I always want them to train hard. We might have a meeting about the opposition, a bit, bit of video analysis. Again, had none of that there when I when I first walked into Bromley. We created. And a video analysis and you know Ronan, god bless him pacing and cutting on a sunday night i'm telling him what to cut but you, you we grew as a club mm. i feel like i've gone back to where bromley were probably 10 years ago but i believe i can do it again and it's a okay. project to cray that that i've gone for and yeah let's let, let let's talk on that as as a project because <laughs> I've I've been numbing the Do I ask you this or do I not ask you this? But here we are now. <laughs> um, when you left Bromley, you would have had. Well, okay, let me rephrase this. You had options on the table. I guess is the is the most is the diplomatic way to put it. It wasn't like you've been out of a job and you couldn't have gone other places or spoken to other people about X, Y, Z, couple of clubs that you've been ex players at had vacancies and so, and so on and so forth. And you plumped. And I guess what I'm asking about the reason why I'm asking this question, Neil, is because within every profession, so you just happen to be a football manager, but within every profession, you might, you have a goal in your mind, right? You've opted for what is effectively an exciting project. And I get it. I get it on that front in terms of what you're trying to build. I see what's going on behind the scenes now with the Cray Academy, um, which has effectively started from scratch, what, last summer? Um, It's a project you've chosen, but how as a manager do you... (laughs) I'm trying to think. How do you go for the project over the more high-profile 
you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Either. No, 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 I, no, 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 Mash, Mash. I turned, I turned down an assistant manager's job in the league. Yeah. Because after being at Bromley and doing well, mm. and lost one game in ten or whatever it was, and, and got the sack on that one game, I don't trust football anymore. Mm. I'm, I'm very wary of it mm. because people that you were doing well for sacked me. Mm. Sitting seventh, all my players fully fit. Seven games to go, I think, to try and get in the playoffs. So I then thought, right, okay, I took a year out. I took a year out, but I'm going to take all my year out, yeah. and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have a bit of not my time, but family time. Mm. So I went. I was able to go away on holidays with the family. I never n- normally did that. If I went mm. away with a family during the because of the schooling and the start of the season timings, I may have got three or four days with my family because yeah. I committed to, to Bromley 100%, 100%. So I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to take a bit of time out. I went round to other clubs. I did a bit of radio commentary. You saw me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I kept my eye in at every level uh, from academy to Ishmian, Conference South, Conference, League Two, League One, Premiership. I thought I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just gonna enjoy a little bit, of, and I and I found out that there were there were things that I was finding out not about myself but about football that didn't really, I didn't really like. Mm. I didn't really like because I wouldn't have done some of the stuff that I was hearing. Yeah. So then, um, you know, Gary Gary Hillman, what a very very good man, said, "Come come down and watch a game." So mm. I, I went and it was back at Bromley. Obviously, I didn't want to go back at Bromley. Obvious reasons, as I say, I'm an honest guy. I haven't got a problem with it. Obvious reasons, and he went, "Nah, don't be silly. Come back." And he he brought me back in. Mm. And when I walked through that door, because of all the old people that you know, the, the old Bromley guys and, and the supporters that were still there working, they made me feel really welcome because mm. I hadn't seen them from when I'd left. Yeah, and I walked in and I I felt appreciated, and then I thought, you know what, you're bigger than that. But then Gary, such you know, sold me this project of if you do this, this, and this, we could build a stadium, we could do the academy. Like we've just started, and I saw something that if I go into being a manager, I might be sacked after six months. Look at yeah. Nathan Jones at Southampton, and did yeah. I want to be that? Did I want to be that guy that's always looking for another job mm. because I'm a manager? I helped build Bromley with with Mark and Jerry at the time from a part time club, mm. no academy or a very small one, into what it got to. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I don't think I've got any recognition for that. I think I, I, I might get a bit of recognition for doing it with Cray. We have started off with no academy. So we've had an academy, and it's been tough, and it's been hard, but the boys have been committed, and hopefully we'll be a little bit bigger and better next year, and we'll have a girls' one, and we'll have a women's, one, women's team. And I, can, I think people might appreciate what I did um, at Cray. I only got appreciated at Bromley after I'd gone. Mm. And I think that's why I took, you know what, I'll, I'll take the long-term view over, oh, well, well I've done it at non-league, I'm going to do it in the league. Mm. I'm going to go there and forget about what I've done at non-league. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't want to just be jumping around from club to club. If I commit to... And, and I, I've had offers and I'm... I'm I'm still getting offers, Mash, and but I I tell, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm still getting offers. Um, 
for, at this moment in time, I've said I've, I want to commit to Craig. And I do. That's what I want to do. I'm not saying they might not get rid of me. I'm not saying that I might not go. But at this moment in time, I've, I've given them my commitment. And I want to show that commitment back. And I, I should just put it on record for those listening that in... So you saved Craig from relegation last season, which was... I remember meeting up with you at... What game was it? It was the one where you actually got turned over. I think Hornchurch. I think Hornchurch, Hornchurch. came down. You you had yeah. a threadbare squad, and I remember we had a we had an honest convo convo then, and uh, you were like, "Listen, it hinges on this game and this game," and you actually got the points in the games that you exactly said it hinged on, right? Um, and then this season you've turned it around. Crayer in currently sitting in the top five, might even be third yeah. or fourth. Um, it's a tough league, though. It's a tough league. You got Hornchurch, Bishop's Dortford, Lewis, Enfield. It's not an easy league to get out of the Ryman Prem, but obviously it's it's testament to the work you've done that you've effectively done a whole one eighty on on Cray's fortunes, right? But let me let me ask you another difficult question then. When you reflect back on your time at Bromley and early management career. Because everybody's got to learn, right? Everyone, and this girl, and like I say, this goes for any profession. It wasn't all a bed of roses in so much as, it's not like you were having unprecedented success after unprecedented success, right? You could argue that keeping Bromley in the top 10 and in and around it actually was unprecedented success. But what I mean is, and I'm going to use one game as the example, Neil, and forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> but, but the, the, the FA Trophy final um, against Brackley, um, after like, after th- that season and the, the, I still maintain it was the craziest cup run of all time going to, where is it? Um, Blythe Spartan, Spennymore three times, um, Workington, <laughs> um, uh, Gateshead. We, it seemed like we went to the northeast for every single game of that of that of that run to the final, right? But the the reason why I reference Brackley isn't to like bring up old memories in that sense. It's more to say how as a manager do you deal? Because I've always wondered this as a fan, even when I've been writing in the journalist guys, I can kind of I can detach nowadays, so I can go and watch Bromley write about a match, and if Bromley lose. I can probably detach from it nowadays. Yeah, I'd rather they won, but it, it is what it is, right? Mm. Um, as a gaffer, how are you able to do that? So I'll be—I'll admit to you that after Brackley, I was absolutely gutted because I genuinely believed that was our season because of just the run that we'd gone on, right? And it, it, I remember like going home being absolutely gutted. And then I think I saw you, what, three days later, it was, the, it was um, Dave Roberts, rest in peace, God rest his soul. Mm. Um, it was the Wembley premiere for the Bromley That's boys. Right. And I saw you then. Um, how do you get over as a gaffer when it's, defeats are normal. But what, how do you get over the big defeats? And when you lost your job at Bromley, were there things that you had to look back on and go, well, you know what, to be fair, I got this wrong, I got that wrong. Tactically, I could be better. Like, what's your learning points been, if that makes sense? Oh, of course, you're always learning. And, um, you know, I, I, any defeat, I always look at myself first. Mm. I don't blame the players. I've, I've organised the players. I've told the players what to do and blah, blah, blah. That 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 Wembley one, as as, as a for instance, I felt like I lost that game three times because mm. we were one nil up last five seconds, one all. You know, Brandon Hanlon, as you're saying, you know, in the league now had a couple of chances. You think he scored, 
you know, you, 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 the goal scorer in the division, like in the in the in our league, he misses the last, you know, the penalty, and and then Jack Holland, who's been an absolute inspirational skipper all through it, he then misses it. So it was like you you didn't lose it once. I lost it three times in, that, mm. that day, so it was it was bad. But um, no, I, I take I take you know the, the the fact that we took him to Wembley for the first time in seventy years on a shoestring. Um, with but we played. I think we had attacking football then. I think we had really exciting players. Mm. So I, 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 obviously, I wanted to win it. Of course, I did. But I, look, I don't look back as you know something that I regret. I, I think I'm, I'm glad I went through it. It's made me a stronger person. I know when you know decisions might have gone our way a little bit, but um, no. I, as, a, as a manager, as I say, I, I learn all the time. There's you, you never stop learning. Mm. So every defeat, every win. You know, you, you you learn and and you and you you look at yourself and you go, what could I have done better? You know, after that, I I, I don't think preparation wise, I could have done any more than what we did. You know, we Millwall were outstanding. They let us train on the grass pitch because I didn't want to train on the three G. I wanted us to get ready for it. Um, but also, it was a learning curve because we'd never done it before for seventy mm-hmm. years. So it was a learning curve for the whole club. So you know, whether that made the, the time they do win it, make it a little bit easier because they've gone through that experience. Then, you know, as long as the club learnt as well, it's brilliant. But no, I, I, I always, yeah, it takes me a few days to get over any loss. Mm. But I, that's because I'm looking at myself and what I could have done. You know, I, I'm not one of them, you know, it's we when we win, you when you lose. Yeah. It's, it's us, it's us, it's us in everything. I'm, I'm part of that team. Um, if I haven't explained something well enough, then I've got to do it better. If I didn't show them well enough, because I'm a hands-on coach or manager, I like I like to coach because that that way, I know the players understand what I want. Yeah. If I tell, if I just tell them what to do, and it's a bit like a child. If you tell them what to do, they go yeah. They go and do exactly the opposite. So I know I treat my players a little, little bit like the same. Do, do you understand? They go yeah. yeah. I go right. I'm going to show you what I, I'm going. I want you to do, and then mm. that way. You you don't need don't like chances. I don't like I don't like having a chance to try and win. Hope yeah. I can't coach hope. You know what what I can do is make sure we're organising the teams better on the day. Then you have, you have to hold your hands up. But yeah, no. Listen, that that day if we're talking about that day was was very hard because it was such a big game and you know twenty odd thousand supporters there. You know you have got family and friends there and it it doesn't become a football match. It becomes. It becomes a show, and and you and you want, obviously you want the show to finish on a high. It didn't, but mm. you know, it makes you a better person. You know, you come out of it, and you you know the next time, the mistakes that you may have made or didn't make, and it was just it was that just a rub of the green. You know, next time. Thank you, thank you for answering that, Neil. <laughs> I didn't know how you'd call. I didn't know. I didn't well, know. I'm going to go and cry now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, um, I'm mindful. I'm mindful of the fact, like when I when I press record, I said Neil, this won't go longer than 45. But I knew once we started, it would do. But I will, I will bring this to an, I will bring this to a close. I'm, I'm sure that people message me and say, Nat, Mash, we need a part two. Well, if 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 that is the case, I will get back at Neil uh, and get on to Neil about that. But Neil, I'll leave you with this one. I'll leave you with this one. And um, I wrote down in my notes, Arts Neil. What's the thing he wishes people knew about football management, but managers don't often say? I don't know how you want to define that how you want. Because and, and before you answer, think of it in this sense. 
you have fans on the terraces, right? You just mentioned the 20,000 Bromley fans that went to the first the first time at Wembley. We all have our individual opinions of what went wrong that day. And we'll be like, oh, Smith got it wrong. Smudge messed that up. It's all his fault, so on and so forth, etc. Or when there's any kind of random defeat that takes place for your team. What do you... Because everyone thinks they're football manager. It's one of those professions... <laughs> I often say this about teaching in my day job that everyone thinks they know what a teacher has to do and can handle and so on and so forth. And I think it's similar for football managers. We all believe we can manage better than the gaffer. So <laughs> what's the one thing you wish people understood and knew that they possibly don't about managing? I'd love them to come and watch training for a whole week and the, and the amount of work that goes into preparation for a game. Um, mm. Everyone... I, th I think people got this idea that you, you run, you come in, you have a five-a-side, you tell them how to play, and that's the management side of it's done. It's mm -hmm. not. You literally, you finish a game on the Saturday, and by the Sunday, and I know this is how I was, Mark Hammond, we'd be on the phone, we'd be talking about the opposition. Have they got a game midweek? This is how they do it. Then we'd come in, we'd, we'd obviously get, Mon Monday would be preparation of getting everything out of the way, good or bad, at what happened on the Saturday. And I think people don't realise how how much you put into the next game. Mm. I think everyone just thinks you just rock up on a Saturday, you pick a team and it's done. The preparation, I don't think people realise that the, the, the if, it's, if, if it's Saturday, it's Saturday, the Monday to Friday preparation for that Saturday, that you lose and then someone says, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> And you have to listen to it because, it, yeah. you know, we've all been there. You know, the England, if it's England on the telly, you'll have yeah, an opinion yeah. on, on players, but you only see that player in that 90 minutes. And that player might have had a bad 90 minutes or a bad 45 minutes. But all training from Monday to Friday was the best player. And as mm -hmm. a manager, you go, well, he's trained brilliantly. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to give him his chance. Yeah. And if he doesn't produce, you, you've got to give, you know, you've got to give players some license to go and but the, but the supporters don't see that. Yeah. The supporters just see that 45 minutes or a ball going underneath a foot. And they think as a manager, you, you, oh, you shouldn't have played him. The guy yeah. just made a mistake. You might have, you might have spelt a word wrong at school. Yeah. You don't yeah, get yeah. chastised for that. Yeah. You, you just made a, a silly mistake. I've read a, I've read a word wrong. Mm. But as a, as a, as a manager, you get scrutinized because someone's opinion and, and, and what happens is if someone's got an opinion on a player good or bad they'll only see the good or bad in that player 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah and that and that and, and, and by the way that goes throughout the whole club mm. so if, if certain people don't like that player they'll only see the things they don't like about that player they mm. won't see the good they might not see the hard work he might have put in for the other people that he does like to produce mm. and i think that that's when you know, I'll, I'll, by the way, I'm the first one to listen to anybody that wants to have good or bad praise or, you know, a, a, a bad word to say about the team I've selected. I'll always listen. I'll always listen because you, you listen to people's opinions on, on people. But ultimately, it's my decision. And I'm good or bad, I'll take the flat. But I'd love, I'd, I'd love, and, and these find the wall documentaries, Yeah. you know, Tottenham, you know, at the moment, Repton, Gives you a little bit of an insight mm -hmm. how a club's run and, 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 and what happens. You know, every, everybody has a role to play at that football club. And, mm -hmm. I, and, and, I, did, I, and I appreciate everybody that works at the clubs I've, I've, I've worked at because I know how hard they're working. And, and sometimes they get the stick 
because of my decision. So I, you know, I, I'm the first one to thank them when they've done it. You know, they, they, when they've had a good day at work, I, I make sure I say hello to everybody. I want to know everybody knows that I'm supportive of them because I know they support me when I yeah. walk through that door. But I, I ultimately would love supporters just to know how much goes into preparing for a Saturday, and and when it works, it works. When yeah. it doesn't. You've got to take it. You've got to take the flat. But I'd rather take the flat than the supporters, uh, than the players. I'd rather they come and add their little dig at me and keep it off the players. That's that's my job. Mm. That's my job. It, I'll, I'll tell them if they're not good. But the supporters, if they come for me, then honestly, it's not a problem. Well, you know what, Neil? That's the, that's the perfect way to end this. Because I was going to say to you, what's worse? Being on match of the day and being grilled by mainstream media or walking into a non-league bar and being grilled, <laughs> and being grilled by non-league fans. <laughs> but at least you've got a pint in your hand. Yeah, that's a very good point, yeah. But, but I'll say that, I'll say this. But once you've had that chat and you've been grilled for 10 minutes, at least they appreciate you having that time out with them. Mm, true. They, very they true. appreciate that. You don't get that. You don't get that chance to um, do that on a TV, being grilled by a pundit. Mm. But by a supporter, if a supporter says something and you come back and you have an answer and you might you might go, you were right today, yeah, we didn't play very well. I'm agreeing. Within five minutes, they're buying you a drink and yeah. it's all forgotten. And I think sometimes that's not out there either. That, that yeah. how, how by just being in, in amongst them and chatting to them and, and hearing their point of view, but also them listening to your point of view, mm. a bit like now, I think, I think it, it, it cuts all the social media side out. Listen, Neil, I want to just thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Don't be surprised, Neil, if when this drops, I'm, people demand that I do a part two with you. And if that's the case, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the I'll line. Be I'll be on the we'll line. another to... seven months. It'll <laughs> <laughs> have to be at the end of the season or something like that. But um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, Neil. Much appreciated um, <clears throat> on, a, like, on a personal no. level, as you, as you well know, you've been... Um, as much as you've been the manager of the club, I support. You've also been a, a mate, I'd like to say, a mate over however many years as well. So I'm thank you for taking the time to, no, to have any, this any time. And, and on a personal note as well, I thank you. You know, good or bad, you've always you've always <laughs> aired your point of view. But at least afterwards, we've been out to have a drink and, and shake each other's hand and say goodbye. But no, it's, it's been a pleasure. Anytime, you know that. No worries. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Neil Smith. And this has been another episode of The Game is the Game. That one's being called The Art of Management. Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mashstpaddy. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at MASHSTPaddy. And if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular, you can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com.